You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. All right. Hello, and welcome to the March bonus edition of the Perry Noble Leadership bonus. Podcast. Perry, we're going to call this bonus edition every month the Big Ask Podcast. Big Ask Podcast. That's with a K. Uh, or you can call it what you want. You may call it the other thing by <laughs> yeah, the time we're done, but that's okay. Uh, but t- this is where we're going to jump right in. We've got questions from listeners that they've been emailed in. Uh, and so they can do that at newspringnetwork.com if you want to get your question uh, answered here on uh, this podcast. So we're just going to jump right in. The first question is from Dylan uh, in North Carolina, and here's the question. Do you have any guidelines for helping those we lead maintain health and balance? Well, Dylan from North Carolina, my question to you, back to you, is number one, are you a Duke fan or a North Carolina fan? Because I think that's really important. Number two, if you are a North Carolina fan, should Roy Williams have called a timeout Last month in that game, I mean, I don't know. I think hey, you let the players play. I think you let the players play. That's my answer, Dylan from North Carolina. Hey, man. So this thing between um, leading, maintain health and balance. If you figure out how to do it, please write a book. Um, because one of the most common questions I ask Shane, and you get this question all the time, is how do you shut it off when you go home? Like, how do you stop thinking about? you know, church? How do you stop thinking about ministry? How do you stop thinking about people? And I've always told people, you can't shut off a calling. Yeah. Um, you, if, if you can shut it off, then you're not called. And, and, and the world is going to be full of hurting people. Like there's never going to be a day where you wake up and you go, I don't really have a lot of hurting people in my life today. I mean, there are hurting people that, that need, that need leadership, that need great leadership in their life. So I think, Dylan, the most important thing is you're going to have to fight for time on your calendar. Like, you're going to have to say, I'm going to take a vacation here. Um, I'm going to take a break here. You're going to have to pre-plan that. Because in ministry, um, there's a there's a potential crisis with every phone call. There's a potential crisis with every email or text message. There's a potential crisis on the way. So you've got to plan it, and then you've got to do it. Um and, and make no exceptions for that. And don't and make no apologies either. Make no, no apologies. That's good. I mean, everybody needs to, to look at their calendar and decide. I heard Bill Hybel say this one time. You should look at your calendar, and it should reflect who you want to be as opposed to what you have to do. And you have to decide who you want to be and then build a life with a rhythm that allows for you to be that kind of person. And initially, that takes discipline. But as, as all of us know, if you do anything out of discipline for a while that actually bears fruit, it turns from a discipline into a lifestyle. And so in time, you can develop and maintain a healthy balance, even in the midst of calling, even in the midst of all the things you have to do, because we all have 168 hours a week. And so you get to decide how you live it and don't let anybody live it for you. Well, if you don't decide it, if you don't decide it, other people are going to decide it for you. That's exactly like They're right. going to set your calendar for you. So if you're going to say that family is important. Like for example, for me, um, I have dinner with my family every night. So I don't, I don't go, um, very few exceptions, but I don't go to like this meeting or this, you know, uh, we want you to come to this meeting and do a prayer at seven o'clock. We, that I decided, I pre-decided years ago, it's going to be at home at about five thirty, six o'clock. I'm going to have dinner with my family. And I did, I pre-decided that. Now, have there been exceptions? Absolutely. If there's a, tr- you know, a tragedy or whatever, you can't plan those. And my family understands that. But my family also understands that the majority of the time I'm going to be at home and 
have dinner with them. I love it. Next question from Jason in Virginia. What are some of the most effective ways to develop leaders and create a culture of mentoring and leadership development? Um, great, great question, Jason. I, there's, there's different opinions on this. Um, the, every once in a while, people will approach me and they'll say, I need a mentor. Um, and I, I think they're kind of looking for Yoda. And I, I'm not, I, I don't really think there is a Yoda out there for anybody. I think there are several, several, several ways you can be mentored by several different people. So every time somebody asks me to mentor them personally, I give them a, an assignment. I'll tell them to go read something and then get back with me on um, what they read. 90% of the people are eliminated automatically because they're not going to go actually do any work. They just wanted to have a conversation. Um, so one of the mo most effective ways I've, th these are just some ways, Jason, that I've developed uh, leaders. Number one, I talk about what I'm excited about. So if you're in a, if you're in a meeting with me and I've read a book recently, you don't have to wonder about whether I read that book. I talked about it. like what's the book? Um, oh gosh, Extreme Ownership by the two Navy SEALs, and it's read by them, which is amazing. I want they, I, I would let them read every book I ever wrote because they just sound like they could come through the microphone and 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 do do serious damage. Like I'm hurt sure you. they could. They're Navy SEALs. Uh, they're Navy SEALs, and they know how to do it. So if I'm talking about something, um. I'm excited about because here's the thing I've discovered about hungry people. If you tell a hungry person where they can get food, they'll go get it. If you, I mean, if you'll just say, hey, this is what I've, um, uh, I've read. If I'm excited about a podcast, and I listen to all sorts of podcasts. I listen to business podcasts. I listen to leadership podcasts. I listen to church podcasts. I listen to serial podcasts. I am so caught up in serial. I don't know. Have you listened to it yet? Have <laughs> I you? have not. Dude, it's awesome. It's awesome. So anyway, I it listen goes back to question number one. I just don't have time. You don't have my. Well, we gotta we gotta build you some time in. So so I'll talk about things that I'm excited about. The other thing I do is I create environments where people can ask questions. Um, we'll do a, I'll do a leadership lunch or whatever, and the deal is you bring the question, um, and I'll pay for the lunch. And I learned that I can't take credit for that. I learned that from John Maxwell who for years, I mean, I reached out to him. I did everything you could do. This is before social media was even popular. I think I sent a couple carrier pigeons down his way just to try to get in to meet with him. Um, and I finally got a lunch meeting with him, and I showed up with a notebook. Um, and I was real nervous, and he said, tell me about you. And I took about two minutes and told him about me, but I knew I had an hour. I said, so, John, if you don't mind, I don't really want to talk about me. Let me ask you some questions. Um, that's the other thing that you can do. And I know I'm ranting here, but if you want to meet with someone, if you really say, well, I want to meet with someone and ask them some questions. And I've had people go, well, I can't meet with Andy Stanley. I can't meet with Craig Rochelle. I can't meet with John Maxwell. You can read their books. Listen to the podcast. You can read their books because they're not going to, I mean, there's very few things they're going to tell you apart from, I mean, they could answer a leadership uh, specific question, but if you really want to learn from someone, then read everything they write, listen to everything they say, and um, there's a lot to be learned already. So I know yeah. I kind of rambled, but I just no, I good. just tell I just tell people where the food is. Yep, I, um, I, you set an example. Uh, you create a culture. You celebrate growth, and you give opportunities for people to lead something. I think that's 
That's what uh, Jason was asking. Well, if there's something, also, if there's something out there that's feeding other people, like they, they're really just love it. I want to know. Uh, so Extreme Ownership, the way I came about that is after about the fourth person recommended it to me, I was like, okay, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I couldn't put it down. Next question, Chris from here in South Carolina. How do you handle, take this as a good one, how do you handle taking close friends out of high leadership positions? How long do you put up with poor performance, and how can you lead through this? Chris, great, great question. Um, I'm just going to, I just re-ask the question and then kind of explain it. Do you love the mission more than you love the person? Because if you love the mission more than the person, you've got to make a tough decision. Um, that that actually was in that book, Extreme Ownership. How you've got to you got to know why we're doing the mission. And listen, it's I'm not. It sucks. It really is difficult to make a major leadership switch that you know is going to affect someone you love. But at the end of the day, I believe that's one of the major reasons the church hasn't moved forward. My gosh, look at our resources. We've got more knowledge about the Bible than we've ever had. We've got more technology. We've got more resources. We've got more opportunities. I think, personally, the reason the church in the world isn't moving forward has nothing to do with the power of the devil. It has everything to do with the unwillingness of leaders to make really, really, really tough decisions. And so at the, at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you, there's no easy way to make a right decision. That's why um, a lot of people don't make right decisions. Man, that's great. You're exactly right. You just have to love, you, you ask us, hey, love Jesus, love the church more than you love me. And the poor performance, the, the, the problem with poor performance is this. The problem with poor f- performance is not when the person is performing poorly. It's when they don't know they're performing poorly because either number one, they're incompetent. They just can't see it. Or number two, you have never lovingly as a leader sat them down and said, Hey, this, I mean, it's, it's, it's the unwillingness to have a tough conversation has held a lot of churches and organizations from being good to being really great. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, next question. This is uh, from Christian all the way in Mexico. Hola. How cool is that? Solamente tengo um, dos años de español. You know yeah, what I mean? I don't know what you're saying. I just, that's all, that's all I got, man. <laughs> that's all I got. Uh, here's his question. Puedo ir al baño. I learned how to ask that. And uh, can I, I go to the Taco bathroom? Bell. Talk about, yeah. It's close. Yeah. Uh, we want, here's Christian's question. We want to get better at evaluating our Sunday experiences. So what are some practical things we can begin to measure and evaluate, and who should be in that conversation? Um, man, great, great question. Uh, I, I guess this is going to kind of depend on what the values of a church are. Like for me, Christian, one of the things, I, I, like one of the things that's not, um, that we won't compromise is a kid's clean air, our clean kid's area. So anywhere we go, the kids' area is going to be clean. Now, I've had some churches push back, and Shane, you have too. Well, we can't do that with a portable environment. Well, sure you can, because we did it for six years um, before we built um, our broadcast campus. We've made schools clean. We've made cafeterias clean, CrossFit gyms. Um, it's amazing what you can do with a with a set of Clorox wipes. Um, 
and yeah, yeah, and you can so so for for example, clean is real important to me. Um, it's real important to our children's ministry team, and so we're gonna evaluate clean. And clean's real easy. Clean is not. Um, I first of all, I would have clean people evaluating clean. You probably don't want the 19-year-old dude who never washed his sheets his freshman year in college evaluating clean. Not that I would say I did wash my sheets in college, just not the first semester. Um, but so so clean for me, whether or not the service is done well, excellence. And let me say this: when I say excellence, I don't mean lots of lights, lots of sound, lots of whatever. I'm talking give me a someone with a great voice and an acoustic guitar with a decent sound system, and I'll take that over light sound and a mediocre band every single time. Um, and so for us, like the sound quality matters, um, the sight matters. I mean, it, 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 it all goes down to you got to list out what's important to you, define the win, and then hold people accountable to it. That's good. You know, the thing that, that jumped in my mind, Perry, is, is so much of evaluation is subjective. You know, it's what I think, what you think, personal preference. But if you have real clear vision, real clear values, and real clear standards that everybody can rally around, it makes evaluation easier, and those things are written down. Uh, and what Perry said is true. Excellence uh, doesn't mean you need a lot of accessories. Excellence, as a matter of fact, needs no accessories. Things Excellence are might mean you need to strip away some accessories. That's right. Taking yeah. things away sometimes is, is the quickest way uh, to win. And who needs to be in the room or who needs to be in that conversation? People that you trust, their thoughts, and the people who can actually go make changes. Yeah, the, the, the people, you should allow people to evaluate the environments that they help create. And so if, if you're going to evaluate the children's environment, it would be insane not to have someone from the children's team in that evaluation. Um, if you're going to ev- evaluate the video, um, it would be insane to not have someone from a video team. You, you know what I'm saying? It's, it, it's, it's, it's impo- like if you're, a, if you're a business owner, you're going to evaluate a business. Well, it would be insane to evaluate that business without someone from that business being at the table. So true. Next question is from John, all the way from Texas. Texas. Uh, question is this. How many people are currently on your directional leadership team? How has that changed over the years? Currently, we have 72. And I've got 72 <laughs> because Jesus had That's 72. Right. And I just think that 72 people can lead a church well. Honestly, um, right now, they're, I, on paper, I have two direct reports. That's it. Um there's there's yourself and another gentleman who shall remain name, remain nameless because I don't really want his name getting out because once his name gets out then people actually start calling him for advice and then it gets bad. Um, so you and and uh, we'll just call him Zorro. You and yeah, Zorro, I like that, are <laughs> my direct reports. But then we have a leadership meeting once a week and it's me, uh, you, and then three other guys that sit at the table and make the leadership decisions. Um, and we don't really, I don't, now those meetings are what, two, three hours? Yep. Now your meetings with them are longer because you're actually their direct report. Yeah. Or they report directly to you. Yeah. We, well, we usually take about another hour after our meeting. Um, you know, how's it changed over the years? It's gone from a couple of people to the whole staff to, uh, a directional leadership team. 
that can prize the four or five people. It grew up to 11, I think, at one point. Then mm-hmm. we pared it back down to seven. Uh, it's kind of been all over the place. Uh, and, and one of the things I'd say is, is, you, is you're considering how to set up your structure is what makes your organization uh, able to communicate vision the clearest and most effective and most um, efficient way possible to empower the people that do the work. And so for us, we've reorganized over the years uh, to do to do just that. And so, you know, there is no right or wrong structure, but there does need to be a structure. There does need to be clarity in, in uh, uh, understanding for how uh, the people on the team are set up. But uh, past that, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it. Uh, and the way your organization grows over the years will determine how you're structured. Yeah, you need the people in the room that can actually help make the the right decisions. And then, I mean, a- anybody else, you're just really wasting their time. And the other thing to remember is just because somebody is currently at the table doesn't always give them the right to be at the table. I mean, sometimes you got to make tough decisions. We talked about that earlier. Um, and it's uh, you got to have the you got to have the best people around you to make the right decisions. Which really leads straight to our last question for this podcast from David, again, here in uh, South Carolina. His question is this, how do you handle staffing moves when you know there could be negative impacts on the church? There's, <clears throat> there's always the potential for negative impacts anytime you have to make a tough staff decision. But at the end of the day, you can't... Fear of man is a snare that leads to death. I think it's Proverbs 29. Um, and if you live in fear of man, you can never step into the faith area that God's called you to live. So I, I understand what that's like. Oh my gosh, if I release this person, it's going to negatively impact the church. If I release this person, so-and-so is going to get mad. If I, Well, that's, that's trusting in a man way more than you trust in God. And so if you know a leadership uh, decision is going to impact the church, I would, in, you know, no matter what size your church is, about 10 to 20% of the body influences the church. So if you have a church of about 100 people, you've got about 15 to 20 people that they they literally are the influencers. Everybody's going to do what they and so I would I would make sure my influencers understand what I did and why I did it and then let let it go from there. Well, I think that's good. Well, hey, this has been fun, the bonus edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Big Ask Podcast. Leadership right, we'll just Podcast. Eventually just call it the Big Ask Big Podcast. Ask Leadership Podcast. Uh, and we'll see you guys uh, with both podcasts. In uh, April. Yeah, April. Yeah, April.